just fucking kick this puppy off. What's up, guys? I'm Danny Phantom. This is David Webb, and today we have... Kayla Tuttle. Joshua Phelps. What's up, guys? Not too much. Had a nice busy day running errands. Felt like we should probably talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful summer day in Worcester. Um, hot, sweaty day. Yeah. I didn't wear deodorant today. I went to the mall and was sweating my balls off. <laughs> Very gross. Which yeah. mall? Uh, Solomon Mall. Oh, I haven't been there in so long. Yeah, dude. I went there looking for a Guitar Hero guitar. Because oh, yeah? I played that. I played it at the arcade. Fell in love with it again, and like it was one of my favorite games ever. My boy gave me a lead. He's like, "Yo, they have Guitar Hero guitars at the Toy Vault in Solomon Paul Mall. I'll drive all the way down there." Didn't have any guitars. Uh, Sound bitch. But um, I guess like the dude behind the counter's girl was there, and like she heard me asking about it. And she was, and then the dude who was working behind the counter got off in ten minutes. He was like, "Oh, I have one in my attic that we're not using." And I was like, "Oh shit!" She was like, "Yo, let me take your contact info, and like we'll hit you up when he gets out." So long story short, I met them at the post office down the street <laughs> and bought it off him, and I'm, now I have a guitar. That's so. fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good day, good sweaty day. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Totally. I went, I went swimming at Walden Pond. It was, Ooh, it was nice. Yeah, nice. it's a nice swimming day. Yeah. yeah. Is Walden Pond in Worcester? No, uh, it, it's a uh, Concord. Concord. Yeah, it's uh, where uh, Henry David uh, Thoreau uh, wrote his book. Uh, oh and shit! Yeah, he had his cabin there. That was where he you know, lived for a long while. Fire. Do they have a beach there? Uh, there's a few, but most. Nice. It's what I love about it is, you, well, you used to be able to go in from wherever. Now they have mm. fences up around most of it, but but there's gaps in the fences at a lot of different spots. Dope. Yeah. So we essentially sat like opposite the main beach, and there was no one else there. We just sat, ate lunch, uh, and uh, went for a swim. Nice. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. You guys just uh, came from having the dogs trained? Yes, we did. Yeah. The first time. What, nope. was it? what was the class? Is it Stephanie's? Stephanie Duca dog training yeah. in Holden. She's a pro. She's got like 20 years experience or yeah. something like that. Oh, shit. She's real good. Some award-winning dogs for obedience and stuff. Oh, shit. And your, your guys did well? Yeah. Yeah, they... The show-offs. Well, one's a great Pyrenees, so he always gets attention because he's massive. Yeah. Yep. And the other one's a beautiful mutt. Not sure what breed she is, a combination of, but just like she's got beautiful golden eyes and then a, like a nice coat. So she like really is like a kind of dog that'll just catch your attention anyway. So she's yeah, she's a cutie, <laughs> and uh, she they were just they just hit all the notes like they weren't missing any beats and like Thor was even taken out as like a little demonstration dog. Oh shit! It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> proud yeah. parenting moment. Yeah, honestly though. It's a proud moment. Yeah, like, that's our pooch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what's up, man. Yeah. Good shit, man. Good shit. You said that's in Holden. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Word. Nice. So, um, tell us about your food truck. What what kind of food and how did it? Why? So right now I work on a food truck called Say Cheese. Actually, we're out of Holden. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're in uh, Brimfield for the market this whole week. Okay. But I won't be able to join them because of my fucking ACL. Yikes. But uh, we also want to start a food truck with smoke meats called Smoke. Yes. Okay. And uh, we've been doing a couple like pop-ups here and there with that. We do uh, like brisket sandwiches, nice. pork sandwiches, 
that's like really the dream to have a food truck and be able to just like work. For I mean, ourselves. anywhere that anywhere that food truck is, people like that. That's one of those things that I don't know. Anywhere there's food trucks, I always kind of want the pulled pork one. Yeah, like that's that's a staple. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't really do it as well as I'd like them to. <laughs> I take pride in my smoked meats. It takes yeah. a long time to do that stuff. And, yeah. And like they taste good. How fucking yeah. Yeah. No, like honestly. people like I, people love our meats, but. It's hard for them to really understand, like that. Like it was like a fifteen-hour process for us to do that whole thing. Actually, more than that, yeah. with the like the prep, with the seasoning the day yeah. before. It's like a two-day process for us. So how does so do, with, with food trucks? Does that just make sense because you're doing more of it at a time? Like you guys, you know, prepare for something always the day before. Um. Well, with the smoking, because of the way that we do it, and because we're both working, we kind of just like. We like prepare. We start preparing a week before we go do our like uh, general like run of getting food and stuff. Then we inject our meats. We uh, put a rub on it. Then we smoke it and we finish it sous vide. So like I'm we, sweating over it. Yeah, it's the whole process. <laughs> so we gotta like just think ahead. If I have like a lot of say cheese stuff, I'm like okay. So we gotta stay up all night Wednesday night to smoke this <laughs> stuff, and then we'll sous vide it all day Thursday. Friday we'll have it ready and like it's it's definitely like not like the easiest idea to do for a food truck there's way easier shit that we can yeah, do yeah but it's what you're passionate but about but that's so. what I want to do yeah know? like yeah. I love the smoked meats I don't care how long it takes yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. Okay. cool no that shit was fire I remember you came you guys came to the pop up and everybody was talking about it like that shit was fire that shit was top notch yeah I can't wait till we do another one yeah honestly it's good stuff. Man. Yeah. So pop ups are pop ups are essentially like working out of or with a different uh, restaurant or food truck or how does that pop ups usually we're just setting up a table and uh, or like we really want to get into like a whole like little tent setup before okay. we are mm-hmm. able to like really get the money to do full. No, that's food a truck. fantastic uh, test run. Like, yeah. yeah fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, just you know, nice large banner and one of those good pop up ten by tens out exactly. of you know, Perfect. Facts. Facts. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the next step, and then we'll start doing some more like outdoor things. But then when we do like the indoor stuff, get like a couple of these bad boys, and I set up like a sandwich press and a fry later. Just go to town on it. We do like a lot of um, food fusion egg rolls too. Oh. So like spinach and artichokes. Egg rolls are the perfect. Oh, Oh, dude, just wrap anything up in an egg roll wrapper, and it's a perfect snack. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. More things need to be, uh, like... I, I was realizing the other day, like, pita pockets for, like, salads yes. and whatnot, just because they're, it's just, it's, you know, one-handed, you, you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah. And it's, you know, they're same thing with those. I have to bundle anything up at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spinning char joke. That sounds good. Yeah, that shit sounds fire right now. Yeah. I'm on, like, a fruit and vegetable cleanse. I'm not yeah, having meat or dairy. It's tough. Like, especially, like... Because I'm just, like, I'm always thinking about fucking pizza, man. Like, yeah, I love the meat I pizza. could do, but the dairy. Dude, it's I tough. I love know. cheese so much. And, yeah, it's been really tough. Like, literally, like, today I've probably had, I had avocado toast for breakfast. Nice. And for lunch I had fucking guac and chips. And in between <laughs> I had fucking, like, just fruits and, like, bullshit. Like, rice, rice, uh, rice cakes and peanut butter and shit, like. I'm just like dying for like some fucking chicken or pizza yeah. or like anything, but 
staying strong with it. But like hearing you talk about egg rolls, I'm just like, I would die for a fucking egg roll, dude. Imagine like an egg roll lady right now. Oh my uh, not god. Not to you know temp, tempt or taunt you, but oh my god. Dude, and their platters are so fire because like you get the chicken. Like the the it's like a combo platter. You get like four egg rolls, and then you get the chicken uh, and like the fingers. Oh my god! I don't know what she does, Have man, but she the kills it. Chips? I don't eat yes. fish, but I've heard oh. it's amazing. It's, it's, really good. Good. it's some of the best fish and chips I've it, had. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, it's kind of wild. From a little shack, <laughs> dude. Yeah. She kills it. Yeah. She's a fucking monster. But, but no, like, I wouldn't mind having a shack either. That's no, right? Sick. Right? There's do 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 out the yeah, door, out and she works like what three days a week, four days a week, something like that. Yeah. Something yeah. like super low key. Yeah, I think she's close. Like she's definitely close today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. No, she's dope, man. She's awesome. And that freaking that cinnamon duck sauce or whatever it is. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's oh significantly better god. than everywhere else. And yeah. like, oh my god, I, uh, I'm so hungry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right now, coming through that egg roll lady. Right, yeah. dude. Sorry, oh, like I, I, you're the pulled meat sounds amazing but now we're thinking about you got me on egg rolls but now egg rolls would be eat. perfect for uh, a food truck because like that's what everyone really wants is not like one big $18 sub they, yeah. they're really looking for like you know five or six small you know delicious things yeah, yeah especially at those festivals if there's like 30 trucks you're not trying to just eat at one of them Yes. Yeah. Get bring a couple here, people to buy and conquer. Yeah, um, <laughs> those would be perfect. They're like the uh, there, there was a dumpling truck at a few of the past uh, Worcester uh, yep. places. And Is it Moisella? I don't think so. No, it yum, was. Yum, yum, truck? It might yes. have been. Yes. Yes, it was them. Yes. That shit was good. That yeah. shit was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other uh, benefit of that, from what I was realizing, is you know all their shits frozen. Yep. So in other words, you can prepare those rolls like the night before and take them out of the freezer and throw them in if people are. So that's that perfect food truck stuff. Yeah. 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 It's a lot oh, of prep, yeah. but like like you said, you just do a bunch one day. That's what I was having my little brother. I was teaching him how to yep. roll up. Mm -hmm. Taught him how to roll blunts from that. From the egg rolls? He rolled enough egg rolls that he was like, oh, I tried one day and I can finally roll backwards. I'm like, yay! Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Taught him a skill. Fuck yeah. Perfect. That's dope, man. Yeah. Life skills, man. <laughs> Good shit, man. Awesome. Good shit. Um, so tell me a little more about Say Cheese, because I see you post them all the time. I've never been able to catch you guys like at an event or anything. Well, you might now, because we've got two food trucks. Oh, awesome. shit. Yeah, two of the same exact ones. I think initially my boss just wanted to switch them out, but like we've been getting... like She has to turn down people. For events? Yeah, because, like, in the beginning of the year, she'll get, like, the whole year booked out. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, and people will come up, they'll get, like, a sandwich, and they'll be like, oh, so I'm, like, having a birthday this weekend, and she's like, I'm booked until October, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> what you thought this was. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, because she's been in business for seven years now, she's got, like, an wow. awesome name for mm -hmm. herself. People, like, know and say she's coming, like... She's got a very finely tuned machine. We run very nice in there. It's been delicious every single time I've got one. Oh yeah, you've been there. That's I mean, awesome. only like three or four, but but like it, not in the past few years. But I've gotten it before, and it was consistently great. Yep, my boss has got it down to a science. So it's like we put the same stuff on every time. It's always delicious. Like we are one of the most consistent food trucks out of all I've eaten off of. Yeah. So, so you, <laughs> what, what's it? What's the? I don't know. You work behind the counter there. I just cook. Okay. Okay. Nice. So you haven't dealt with the interesting customers. No, I, like I have a wee bit of the social anxiety, so I don't like to talk. Cause like, Fair if enough. I have to talk, 
do math and then turn around and make something, yeah. I'm fucking something up. For <laughs> sure. There's like no way that's not happening. So I'm like, I can cook everything, I'll butter, and then I'll make a sandwich, but I don't want to talk to That's one of the great things about food trucks. They're the perfect, like, you know, two different types of neurodivergent environments. You got the people person, you got the the not people person. It's like, I I run a computer repair shop, so, you know, I have a technician in the back and then the people person in the front. Yes. And it's necessary. That's how things can continue working. And it's the same thing in a food truck. Absolutely. (laughs) And restaurants, too. It's like, that's why you have front of house and back of house. It's like, we swear a lot in the back of the house. We're just (laughs) going to cook your food and get it done, like, but you don't necessarily want people seeing the cooks all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. swearing and like throwing shit at each other. <laughs> yep. Cursing out every customer that walks Literally, in. Literally, like all these fucking people, you man. Fuck you for coming in and paying my bills by like ordering food. <laughs> yeah. Angriest people ever cooks, but like yeah. we're, we're hard workers, man. We're hard Honestly, workers. no, seriously, like kitchen staff at restaurants. I feel like don't get enough love because y'all be fucking sweating your balls off back there. And then we the shut stove. down and then we clean until and then like you have to three clean in the, the morning. Thing. Yeah, bro, that shit, yeah, I could never. Like, I love the idea of being a cook, being a chef, and like sitting at the grill and making all this delicious mm-hmm. food, but then like thinking about it and the atmosphere that surrounds it. And it's just like, holy shit, that's a lot of fucking work. It's the atmosphere. It's really just the atmosphere. It's, and for whatever reason, it's the norm for like you'd be talked down to and talked to like you're a fucking piece of shit. I mean, we have reality TV shows about it. I think everyone kind of expects this. Oh yeah, Gordon Ramsay definitely headlined that show. <laughs> yeah, and I have He's to got like four different go, shows heard. about it. Heard, got yeah. you, yeah. got you, chef. Thanks, chef. You're right, yeah, definitely heard. Yep. Okay. I'll go fuck myself after this. Yep, okay. When I worked at Armsby Abbey, the, yeah. the owner, when he would back there expoing like everybody would get scared i'm like i don't care i'm gonna make the food the same way but if he didn't like something he'd go hey guess what you earned i'm like what he's like the chance to make it again and he'd just give me back the plate oh my god yeah but there was like a pillar sometimes we'd walk behind the pillar and go and then walk back and you'd be like perfect and we're like you're fucking tapped bro you're tapped that's (laughs) crazy I've heard that. Here's about a couple more garnishes, and they're like, yeah, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> it's insane, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I would say, like, a lot of head chefs are the definition of psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you it's all about dish. control for them. Like, it's. Yeah. It's like a weird, weird power play. <laughs> I just want to make food. Yeah, right. But that's why I like the food truck. They, they, all, less think, they all think abuse. they're the best. Yes. Yeah. Like they all think. Well, food trucks know that what they like. They're 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 the mix between you know a restaurant and fast food. Like you know exactly. It's, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be good. It doesn't have to look pretty. It has to taste fucking good, mm-hmm. and you know be affordable. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. make it out on time. And get it out fast. Yeah. Like right. that's another thing that I see with a lot of food trucks. They have a pretty good product, but like I'm watching the line, and I'll just pick one person. And I'm like girl with ponytails and she doesn't move for 40 minutes i'm like oh shit you guys i don't know what's going on but maybe you should cut the menu down or get a couple more people on it's not working out yeah yeah a lot of businesses don't think about that they just try to do as much as they can um and they don't think about efficiency or you know does this actually make sense? Would I would I be better doing something different or not doing this? Mm-hmm. Or you know, even if they still offered it but raised all of their more you know time consuming things by two bucks to make it worth it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or I at least know. let them know. But I don't know. So a lot of things on food trucks, like people, 
people have the money to own a food truck and they know that like they generate money and they're like i never worked in a kitchen but Got it. i bought this thing and i'm like okay i'm like part of food truck training groups on uh facebook and the questions people ask i'm like well maybe you should have done like maybe a page worth of research before you <laughs> bought a food truck maybe you should have googled it before buying a yeah. before buying a trailer and going to your sign wrap guy so weird <laughs> so weird but yeah you're gonna make money for sure <laughs> <laughs> i promise peanut butter and jellies all day yeah just deep fry them <laughs> it's the kind of thing you see like it, it i don't know if calling it the drug dealer mentality is right but it's it's there's a lot of people who have more money than sense but know that if they throw enough money at something it will generate money yeah and they yeah. see food trucks as that thing because they see it as people bring their cash to food trucks, but mm-hmm. no one thinks about how good of a f- how good you have to be as a food truck to actually be a you know stick around. Or yep. a lot of people just don't even think about. I need to know and trust enough people to run this and to run it if I'm gone and like I need to know that these people aren't going to rob me blind because <laughs> it's like really easy to do on a food truck. We're, we're Most screwed my reputation. Cash. Yeah. yeah. Straight yeah. up, yeah. You just yeah. be like, yeah, we were dead today, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, but what happened to all the food? <laughs> we were hungry. Oh, I dropped a thing of cheese and we were dead, sorry. <laughs> 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 what do you want me to tell you, bud? <laughs> I don't know what to say. And then something broke, we left early. <laughs> like, there's always some shit that goes on. Like, I've worked with so many shady people in restaurants, too. It's like, people think that... They can just, like, replace people. I've, I've heard so many jobs, like, you can be replaced. It's like, yeah, you can replace me with a fucking weirdo that's not going to do the right job. So, like, who's yep. going to win in that scenario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, man. It's tough. It's a, it's a God, service industry is tough, dude. It's tough. I was only a busboy when I did work in the service industry. So, like, I kind of saw it, but, like, I was also, like, people loved me because I was, like, I was the help. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like, I would go to tables... You guys don't think you guys you know what i'm saying bringing all the dishes and shit grabbing whatever the fuck from the basement for the bartenders or yep. for the chefs like yo run to the walking give me this give me that you know what i'm saying that was cool but like then you know you see everybody getting shit on and then when it's time to shit on then it's like coming your way and i'm like oh my god what is this i'm getting paid 12 dollars an hour like yeah. what the fuck am i doing literally here, it's like, like i'm soaked what? in trash like my shoes are torn to shit mm-hmm. like it was crazy dude crazy like it's it's nuts, but it is very fulfilling. I can say when you're in a good environment, but or like a yes. good restaurant, like it sounds like say cheeses, where oh, it's yeah. like you're respected, you're like you're in a place where you're valued, mm-hmm. you're respected, and people come to you for you know quality shit, and you know you can provide it. Yeah, that's I, always fun. That's, that's the other thing. You know you can provide it. Like I, I've I've uh, one of the reasons I ended up starting my own business was I was working for someone who. Uh, wasn't being entirely honest with people and the end result was I was covering up his messes uh, and I don't know it's that's that's the shittiest part about being in small in a business sometimes is like you're you're being shitty to customers just because you're doing your fucking job yeah and no one wants like to that. do that no. I don't like it no no nobody wants to be that guy no. yeah no 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 but shit man it sounds like I gotta see say cheese when I'm done with this cleanse yeah yeah shit sounds fire Next, you guys are always sold out by the time I get there. Really? I mean, not always, but, like, the past three times... I mean, I, keep in mind, I show up to events at, like, 3 or 4 p.m., so, like... Oh, yeah. yeah but 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 it's it's also being consistent. Not a bad thing. That's because you guys actually, like, you know, everyone goes to you. True. And I would say the most things that we run out at are, like, the festivals, like... But everything else, we will make sure we're there to the last second. It was downtown Worcester the past oh, yeah. three times I've been there. But I will... 
next time I'm there, I will actually get you guys. All right, all right. He's coming earlier sometimes, but we'll make it happen. I'll be back on there soon. <laughs> yeah, once the, once the legs heal. Yeah. What's like? What's the hottest seller? Would you say? The pickleback. Ooh. Pickles, bacon, cheddar cheese. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds about right. But we it's do a lot of great specials. Yeah. Like smoked out specials with them. We'll do the brisket. We'll do the Carolina Gold pulled pork, which is oh really my really God. good. Yeah. But then like she I'm has again. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. loaded <laughs> grilled cheese, so it's mashed potatoes, bacon, scallions. <laughs> And then we give you a little thing of sour cream to dip it in. Oh, that shit right there is one of my favorites. I'm having turkey burgers for dinner, and they are going to be woefully inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're going to have like bacon and avocado on them, and they're just going to be so disappointing after this conversation. Have some mashed right. potatoes on the side. Right. <laughs> Scallions. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that shit sounds fire, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's so you and I first met Tammany Hall, yeah. which is just, I'm mentioning that because I feel like, I don't know, not not about you and I first met part, but the Tammany fucking Hall, just yeah, because yeah. that was a whole... Classic. I don't know, like... Legendary. It yeah. was a chapter in so many people's lives for something. Oh yeah, yeah. I would hear stories all the time, and it, it, it's part of Worcester history. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I got, I started working there at the very end of it. It was mm-hmm. like a new owner... He was trying to get it back on his feet, trying to get like more feet in the door, mm-hmm. and he's experimenting with new stuff. And I think I, you were going to like the Electric Tuesdays. Yeah, it was oh, Electric Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Oh yeah. shit! Those, those were wild nights. Wow. That was like one of my first Worcester social circles, other than like Quincy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think I started working there like a year after I moved out here, maybe just around a year after I moved out here, and. Uh, was like I'd been there before because I lived I lived like a less than a block away from it, so I would go I, w- I started working the parking, charging ten dollars a pop for both the club next door I think it was Club Red, it turned into something else. I yeah. think Envy something. Uh, fuck, I remember it. It changed yeah. after it changed a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. it did. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I was doing the door because I guess he owned the the parking lot that was for both his Tammy Hall in the club. Yeah. So I got my first taste of like that environment and just in general that environment from the first time in my life. Like yeah. working the, the parking. So you get people coming in before they go and get intoxicated <laughs> and then you get them coming back out at the end of the night. And yeah, that parking lot was my first exposure to, to like hardcore drugs. I mean, yeah. not hardcore, but like harder than weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that lot was nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the dude that I was, uh, that kind of got me the gig, and he, he was my friend at the time. Uh, I found out what heroin actually does to somebody. Oh, uh, shit. In the middle of one of the shifts, I got experience firsthand and had to, like, take over, like, the entire shift because he couldn't keep his pants up. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man, yeah. It, it, I'm only laughing because, like, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah, the last yeah, thing yeah. you're expecting. Like, I didn't know he was, I didn't know he was shooting up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm across the parking lot from him, and his pants are on the ground. And I'm like, I go from like, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, like, uh, I'm not being you were all right earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like mumbling, got him, got him back up into the apartment. But uh, they found out that he was like, there was some one of his friends that would meet him in the parking lot. And like, uh. he would get drugs from him and then sell those drugs. And so like... It was pretty immersive for like my first year outside of a very like 
protected environment. Yeah. Um, so that was very eye-opening. <laughs> and I took it all in stride because, like, what else could I do? I mean, it's a big city. This happens. Yeah, so you get the job. Oh, man. And, <laughs> and, like, first apartment in Worcester was on Pleasant Street right at the start of it. Like, uh, so... Wait a second. Wh- what part of the start of it? Uh, so, Tammany Hall. I, I can't remember the name of the, of the street that's right up from it. But then it's like, there's a little bodega, and then above the bodega is Oh, apartment. so this was at Linden Street, 155 uh, Pleasant. Yeah. yeah. I lived there as well. Nice. Wait a second. Did you live there when you were working at Tammany? Yeah. You might have lived downstairs. Oh, my God. Wait a second. That's did you bonkers. live there when the place got... Sh- when, did you have to leave because of a fi- of the place being fire damaged? No. Okay. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't actually my I, fault. I mean, it kind of... <laughs> 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 kind of... It kind of Oh, anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I, li- no, I lived in that building. I got bed bugs there. What was it? I got bed bugs there. That's what I was literally about to say. The reason I left was because of the bed bugs. First interaction with bed bugs. I'm like two days into the to renting this room from a guy, and I see these bugs crawling up the wall. Don't know what they are, so I asked my roommate, and find all the bed bugs, and then spend the next two or three months. Dealing with a heavy bed bug infestation. Yeah, no. In the dead of winter. And so I would literally just open all the windows in the bedroom, <laughs> put on sweaters and pants, and just sleep through the night. And it was some of the best sleep I got because. <laughs> yeah, you I'm know, not sleeping with the windows open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the cold also, I, I had read that it can kind of like keep them at bay. Yeah. I don't know if it worked, but <laughs> the long sleeves and the pants definitely helped too. Yeah. Uh, but I would wake up with like bites around my ears and around my yep. face, dude. It messes with your head. Yeah. <laughs> like, you think that it's in everything. Yeah, When I moved, dude. I took everything into a blanket, carried it down to the laundromat, and went through four cycles in the heater on high heat. Wow. Yeah, just to make sure I, I got them all. And then when <laughs> I moved into the apartment that was, it wasn't in the same building, but it was, like, right next door. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll be fine. Like, there's a, a you know, they're not connected. There's a cap, yeah. Yeah, no. Got bed bugs like no. a month into living there, yeah, sure. and they had just treated it too. So I didn't have an option. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm trying to survive. <laughs> these these places were the about. most affordable studios yeah, it is. in yeah. Worcester. I was yeah. paying four hundred dollars a month for one bedroom. What the fuck? I, I was paying five fifty for a studio. Crazy, dude. And uh, it was wild that first apartment yeah. I got in Worcester. And uh, it improves. If like each time I would move, it would improve ever so slightly <laughs> until I actually got to start living with Kayla. Word. It improved a lot better. <laughs> nice, oh, nice. Man. But it's definitely eye-opening. Like going from in. So I'm originally from the Westboro Baptist Church. I was born and raised there. Word. Very anti-gay church out of Kansas. And the first roommate I have in Worcester was a flamboyantly gay dude. Wow. Yeah, and. <laughs> Polarizing. Uh, yeah, po- very much so. And I, and at that point, like I was, I kind of like made up my mind, like I'm gonna try to have a clean slate on every perspective that I have going forward. Yeah. Because I knew that that wasn't the right perspective where I was raised. Yeah. And it's hard to break out of that. Like hell yeah. Some people need years and years of therapy to break out of that kind of thing. But I kind of just went with with the flow of things and yeah. learned a lot of stuff really quickly. But. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed me the, the apartment and at the very end it was going really well I'm like oh like I was in a desperate situation like I had to move out in like a week or something wow yeah so I was like this, this is going so well and this is the first place I looked at in Worcester I was like I'm gonna have to just take it yeah and at the very end the dude's like so Phelps 
Phelps. Why do I recognize that name? Oh, dude. Heart just leapt up into my throat. I'm like, well, you either know it because of Michael Phelps yeah. or the anti-gay pastor. Uh, and he's like, oh, no. No, it's somebody I know. And <laughs> the most relieving moment I think I'd have had up to that point, even just, like, leaving. Yeah. Because, like, just the stress of the situation was pretty bonkers. But I can't imagine, dude. Yeah. Um, but, grow, like, it's the way I kind of like to describe it, because it was such a cloistered kind of growing up environment. Yeah. You kind of are going from childhood, where you don't know how the real world works, yeah. to the real world, with a completely clueless idea of how things properly work. And because of how that, that church works, as soon as you leave, you're cut off. You can't have really any contact with your family unless you want to go back and you're repentant and you are wow. going to do the exact same things you were doing before you left, which was protesting every day, going to church every Sunday, having Bible study multiple times a week, and having a very controlled life. Wow. Um, so going from there to living in Worcester was <laughs> very different. Um, go and even, Yeah, even, even in Worcester, like, I think when I first moved out to the Massachusetts, uh, it was Northbridge I was originally living in, okay. which is Wittensville, yep. um, and it is very like low key. There's nothing too too much going on, um, and then I immediately went to Worcester from there. I think I was there for like three months. Went to Worcester, started working, uh, got a couple of temp jobs, and then I started working at Tammany, and so. I was working at Tammy for three years before they had to shut down. Wow. But I was their full-time door guy, so they would have all types of music come, but primarily it was, you know, dead hit kind of music. Yep. The Electric Tuesdays. And they would have one so once a day on the on a weekend, mm -hmm. it was Saturday or Sunday, they would either have heavy metal or rap. Yep. So it was this huge like variance of, of, of music but also people people yeah 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 because each one of them are so varied like even well, the only one that wasn't as varied as I thought it would be was the, was the Electric Tuesday people I was yeah. seeing people from like all yeah all like, the prior comments. events yeah yeah, yeah 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 showing up for that which was really cool because yeah. at that point I had no idea like what dubstep was yeah <laughs> at first I did not ah, enjoy yes. it at all <laughs> <laughs> what is this noise <laughs> it, it, noise literally um, then I got got used to it and I actually yeah. enjoyed it and like I knew the different genres yeah. in dubstep and it was pretty cool but uh, I actually got to know some people there that I ended up extending the friendship with beyond that which was really cool so yeah, like I think the first time I met Kayla was actually at Tammany Hall oh, yeah. dope uh, yeah so but yeah there's a lot of people who the first time I met them was there and yeah. you know we might not have become friends there but we met there yeah 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 it brought people together, man. I did a couple rap shows there. I'd attended a couple rap shows and Electric Tuesdays. Nice. Like, yeah, dude, Electric Tuesdays brought people together. Like, there was people from high school, people from, like, my brother's grade, and then, like, yeah, the DJs. Yeah, it was DJs. 18 up, so, like, yeah, so everybody's there. The yeah, yeah, and I that was, like, that. the first, uh, in my experience, that was, like, the first, like, gathering event where it's just like, yo, we're just going to come party. Yes. You could drink, you could smoke weed outside, you could fucking... We're all going to be there having Everybody's a good time. Everybody's rolling. Yeah, yeah. Mad <laughs> people are there. Please drink water. They yeah. put those big no, igloo yeah. things up. Please drink water. No, seriously. And that's one thing I appreciate was that yeah. people were yeah. at least, like, compassionate enough to be like, yo, guys, like, we can all have fun, yeah, but, uh -huh. like, 
let's be responsible too you know that was cool that was cool I didn't really realize how much drugs were going on there until like <laughs> I don't know, way too many. I had gone like four or five times, and I was like, "Wait a second! Like, wait a minute! Is everybody on drugs?" I, I just <laughs> well, no. I thought everyone was just really uh, drunk. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> and yet identified the different kinds of wasted. Yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, then in retrospect, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. There's definitely one of those moments. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, um, so, what's she like? Your cra- besides your your coworker with his pants down. What's like your craziest Tammany Hall story? <sighs> Shit, there's quite a few, dude. <laughs> I know. Um, I bet. I bet. There was this one dude called the Russian. Oh, Yevgeny. Uh, I, I sold him a laptop. Of, yeah. Yevgeny. <laughs> nice. And I guess like at one point, like he was not allowed into Tammany Hall. I'm not so surprised. I believe it. Every time he would come by, he would do one of two things. He would spit on the window or punch the window. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, like, fucking fucking Russian. The, the owner of the bar is like, do something about this. Yeah. Like, and I'm sitting there like, okay, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah, like, what do you want from me, Beat the shit out of this dude? Like, <laughs> he's drunk. Like, I'm not... But, like, one time, I think I had, like... It was, like, the last straw for me because, like, yeah. you can just... Every time you come out, you're just spit on this window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So I ended up, like, grabbing by the scruff of his neck. Yeah. And, like, more or less carrying him across the street and being like, yo, when you come over here, cross the street. Because <laughs> I'm not dealing with you anymore. Yeah. So that was one of the wildest experiences. Um, but other than that, like, the people that would come to Tammy were pretty low-key. Were. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that it had to deal with, like, throwing people out every single night yeah. was pretty dope and the people that I usually w- were being thrown out were people who got way too drunk yes. and at that point it's like okay well whose fault is it <laughs> yeah 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 and then like so I'm left at this like crossroads where it's like okay should I be calling a, a you know a taxi for this person instead of just letting them off to their own devices out, out the door yeah because uh, a lot of people should not have been yeah, let out of that door 1000% yeah yeah but, yeah, yeah. Um, that was an interesting learning experience too, like how drunk someone could get. Yeah, in and a short amount of time. And yeah, they, how, how drunk they let themselves get yeah. sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it yeah. Is, is it literally is the epitome of a slippery slope? Then yep. you get to see all the sides of alcoholism too, like yeah, anger, happy, so, often like in the same night. Literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you had never seen drunk people until no, you had left, no, right? Yeah, no. and you were like twenty four, right? Yeah. So twenty four, never drank. Never seen people drunk comes up to Worcester works wow. at Tammany. I mean, honestly, that probably worked out really well, like negative reinforcement wise. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Combination of how I how I felt when I was drunk, like really drunk the first time, that was like, okay, well, I don't think I'm gonna go that hard anymore. And then I was constantly seeing that reinforcement of like, okay, this is how I this is how I'm possibly being while I'm drunk. Yeah, so I'm yeah. gonna tone it down even more. Because I don't, I don't know how I am when I'm drunk. It's like, oh, yeah. what other people tell me, basically. Facts. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah I, uh, I blacked out once. Uh, someone uh, poured too many shots of Fireball into a, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, angry, angry Orchard and Fireball. Uh, angry Ball or, or Burning Orchard, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, someone poured, like, it was like seven shots of Fireball. Oh. Uh, 
I, I don't remember most of the night, um, but I, I apparently got slapped hard enough for it to leave an imprint on my face. Jesus um, Christ. And I, I owed a few of my friends an apology. Uh, but, like, I don't actually fucking remember most of the night, and that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a spooky situation to be like, in. Yeah. That's like, why like, I don't drink anymore. I, would, like, had an issue with it. I would... I, when I drank and got drunk, it was like, either I wanted to fight you, I loved you. There's no in-between. We're yeah. not boys. We're just like, I'm going to fuck you up or I'm going to, like, kiss you. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It brings out the extremes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not good for me. No. No more for me. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I always kind of figured that, like, you know, alcohol never really brought out the best in anyone. Like, if I was ever, you know, nah. in all of my deliberate community concepts, uh, no alcohol or in no regular alcohol uh, would be a a concept I'd want everyone to be on board with. It's yeah. just one of those, like, I think that generally would make the, a, a community a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's one thing I love about the weed events is that that's like, a lot of times, no alcohol. No yeah. alcohol permitted. If you show up smelling like alcohol, you're not getting in. Like, it's like, we don't want that environment here. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it brings... angry. On yeah, yeah, man. And, or entitled, or like, fucking over-boisterous, or like, it's like, dude, like, I feel like it brings out a lot of ego too. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, like I noticed it from a from a young age because I mean, being born and raised here in Worcester, like we started drinking at I was drinking at like fourteen, fifteen. You know what I'm saying? I, we had I went to Doherty with Kayla and like we had a little outdoor area at at uh, lunch. Oh, and yeah. so yeah, so like I was I was sneaking into my parents' liquor cabinet pouring bottles. Like, pouring out of their bottles, mixing liquors, like, just making oh, this yeah. gross concoction. And then just filling it with water. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to love that Oh, game. my God. And then bringing it to lunch and just getting <laughs> trashed. Oh, my God. Getting trashed outside. And, um, yeah, man, like, so from a young age, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is, like, I was able to see, like, just the detriment of it. And, you know, I have a few family members that suffer from alcoholism, died from alcoholism, and, like, was able to see, like, wow, like, there's so many people that are fucking assholes when they're drunk, or, like, talk way too much when they're drunk, or, like, get way too handsy, yep. and, I, like, bro, like, your breath stinks, and that, like, it came <laughs> to a point where it was, like, I hated the smell of alcohol, and I'm, like, bro, like, all I smell right now is beer, and you're just breathing heavily in my mm. face, telling yep. me this story that I don't give a fuck about, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, you want to tell me this, you don't want, you don't think I actually care about it, exactly, you just you're just gonna it. keep letting it out if I let you, and I'm, like, I'm over it, <laughs> I'm so over it, so I was kind of blessed, you know, that I was introduced so early, that I'm able to just take a complete step back, and now, like, I'll drink when I want to have fun, or, like, I'm on vacation, yeah, yeah let's fucking yeah. have a couple beers and sit by the fire, you know, but, um, yeah, man, alcohol is one of those tricky devils that's, like, it'll get you, you know, like, it's just, ugh. no thanks, no thanks. It adds up quickly. Yes, it does. Yeah, dude. No, yeah, and it's expensive, you know what yeah. I mean? It's oh, an expensive yeah, yeah, fucking also. habit. Very much. And once so. you build a tolerance, then it's like, dude, you're drinking, like, my brother would would kill, like, half a 30 rack in a night and, like, barely be drunk, and right, I'm that like. That was me in my first apartment. Yeah, dude, it's like, what are, what are we actually doing here, guys? Because that shit was, like, 20-something dollars. And then <laughs> every day I'm like, why do I feel sick all the time? <laughs> stomach aches and heartburn like yeah duh. it's like your <laughs> gut is on fire <laughs> your body's begging for water please that's all do it something needs different. yeah dude yeah fuck yeah. like i've been sober for two years now and like 
going to like weddings and like I've been to the oh, bar too so and not drink. Yeah. It's fine actually. I don't mind the pressure. It's so much fun people watching. Yeah. yeah. Watching the levels of it. Like when I went to my friend's wedding, it was like the first time I was part of a wedding party. So we got there and we were like in the same room all day getting ready and just watching these girls. I'm like, we've been in the same room all day. You're fucking wasted. The wedding hasn't started yet. Oh my god. Like, this is gonna be crazy. Yeah. That's how I used to be. Like, everything that could be drank out would be like, yeah, let's get fucked up. Yeah, no, yeah. I feel like, and I feel like a lot of us were there. And, you know, it's it's part of... I, I feel like it was a lot in movies, too, you know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Where, like, it was, like, get fucked up culture and, like, college was always amplified, like, get drunk, get drunk, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, that's where the parties are. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I feel like, like... Will Ferrell movies, Adam Sand, not Adam Sandler movies really, but like Will Ferrell movies and like those. Um, if you're using those for inspiration on what you should do, that's on you. Yeah, <laughs> but like, but the, what's the other one? Um, the that's like college. It's like specifically college. It's um, uh, Apple. Uh, it's the American Pie. American Pie. American Pie. Yeah. And um, National Lampoon. Yes, that one. And movies like that where it's like they they glorify. Like, yeah, they glorify, it. glorify, it, and it's like. Yeah. You know, it gets to a point where it's like, oh shit, I kind of want to get fucked up with my friends. Yeah. And, you know, you do Isn't it a couple times. Is that what we do with our right friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it gets to a point where it's like, dude, where's all my money? I'm fucking like 17. I'm four. Why am yeah. I doing this? What's <laughs> going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. But, no, I'm taking a step back, it definitely shows you, like, it just shows you what it does. Like, mm-hmm. I can only imagine sitting in that room and, like, like you, you're watching these people get fucked up, knowing there's a there's a whole like procession that needs to happen, like yeah. a whole wedding. Like that's not. I just something. kept looking at my phone, like <laughs> we got two hours, guys. Yeah, a couple hours. Oh like, maybe God. you should switch to water or coffee for the next two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, no, this is fun. <laughs> I was having a great time. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's nuts, man. That's nuts. So, um. Danny uh, mentioned to me the Westboro Baptist Church background, yeah. and before realizing I'd originally known you, I, uh, I it actually I, I assumed that this was more recent, like someone joined as an adult and then left, yeah. and wasn't entirely sure where to start the conversation on that, sure. uh, you know. Since but this make this obviously is an entirely different situation, but I, I guess the obvious large question here is: Can you tell us a little bit more about how slash what got you out? Oh. Um, <laughs> that's a long story, but I'll try to read it. Is there, hey, is, um, is there a few highlights, or yeah, is there so, so important... Part of being a member of the church is that you have to be baptized, because it was, it was a Baptist church, and uh, how their belief system worked was you feel called to baptism. It's not something where you can just be like, okay, like, you know, with, with the Catholic Church, like, children are baptized as infants. There's a whole process involved with that. Yep. And... My family more felt, and I think Martin Luther was on the same page too. It's like you need to know what you're getting yourself into. Mm. It's not. This is a very serious commitment. So, as you got older, there was this like pressure put on you to join the church, to be baptized, become a member, and I didn't feel this calling ever. Yeah. <laughs> but you were still expected to. If you're going to remain there, you were still expected to be baptized. You're still expected to be called. So, probably the first moment where I realized, oh, I don't, this is not somewhere I belong, yeah. was through that process. Uh, leading up to it, I was getting pressure from my mom. I was getting pressure from my 
my elders, my peers, and it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm about to turn 18, and if I don't if I don't commit to this by by then, this is gonna be a lot more difficult, yeah. a lot more difficult to commit, mm. like any level of sincerity to. So, leading up to that, I finally am like, all right, well, like, how hard could this be? Like, what if I just am like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go through the whole process. The whole the process involves meeting with every elder member of the church, and there's like up to twenty. Go having dinner with them, talking with them for hours, sometimes late into the evening, about where your heart is on the matter. Wow. And so I'm literally sitting there, and I am like, there's a certain point I'm like, I don't know what else I can say. Like I'm literally like ex- exhausted. <laughs> my vocabulary that. on the matter <laughs> and I never had this like commitment that I felt like everyone else had yeah and like knowing now like I wasn't alone in that like yep I was I wasn't the only one that probably didn't feel the same level of commitment yeah um but I'm going into college and I've just been baptized and actually I do want to go down and tell that story because it's one of my favorites yeah, yeah at this point my grandfather's approaching 72 I think and um, he is a very, he's turning into a very frail man. And part of baptizing someone in the Baptist church is you will put a towel over their, their nose and their mouth, and then you lower what? them into the water. So and you waterboard them. More or less. <laughs> yeah. But they know what they're getting. They know, like, okay, I'm going to hold my yeah, breath. It's still called waterboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're dipping them in water, and you're supposed to pull them back out. He's pulling me back out. And is like struggling to lift me out, and like I'm, I'm a big dude. <laughs> and at that point, like I had just stopped working at uh, Dairy Queen, and I had put on some pounds. <laughs> so this old man is lifting a 250 plus teenager out of the water, <laughs> and straight up struggling. So I plant my feet and help him the rest of the way, and it was the most awkward like leaving because we would do it in the pool. It was the most awkward leaving of that pool I've ever experienced. And I swam in that pool my entire life. Yeah. So, like, you're surrounded. Every every member of the church surrounds the pool and is watching this ceremony. Yeah. Because it is supposed to be the most important thing you do in yeah. your life. Yeah. And <laughs> almost almost break my grandfather in the process. So, anyway, going to college and through that entire process, I'm still questioning, like, Okay, like I can't keep putting this facade on like I need I need to commit to it more so I know what I'm talking about so if one of my peers or elders puts me on the spot with a question about you know the message and we needed to know what we were talking about so that when we held picket signs that said thank God for dead soldiers thank God for AIDS you know God hates America we need to make sure that when someone asks why we believe that we answer them like that Mm. And if you couldn't do that, you were called out. You were spoken to by multiple people so that you either, A, knew what you were talking about going forward, or if this was a bigger issue, it could be addressed right then and there yeah. and not go on any further. Or if it needed to go on further, certain measures were taken. Um, so it gets to a certain point where I'm like, I can't keep doing this. It's just too much. Like I, don't, I can't get up every day at 530 in the morning and read and pray with my family because this is not the same 
thing for me. Yeah. This is just a task. This isn't yeah. like, this is something that is edifying. This isn't something that is just like rejuvenating my soul, which seemingly it was for them. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I'm going through college and it was, uh, it was just a local college, Washburn University. And I'm, I'm not going there like the entire day. I split up my classes, so I'd be there like a couple hours every day or so. So it wasn't like I was living there. I wasn't experiencing the college life. It was just going to classes and going home. We're going to classes and going to a picket. So at a certain point, I, was, I took a summer class and I failed that summer class because I was busy going to protests. Because in the summer, your whole summer was committed to projects for the church. Whether wow. it was like renovating somebody's house, doing yard work, mowing, just all manner of things. And then we would be protesting three times a day. Jeez. Yeah. Holy crap. One in the morning, one at noon, one in the evening. And it would be half an hour to an hour long protests. And then we would go do our, our all those other things. And then I was also working part time at my dad's law office. So like the combination of that, I should not have taken a summer class. Yeah. So I fail it. And my first reaction, because I know that like shit's just going to hit the fan in a magnitude I'm not mentally prepared for. Yeah. I start making plans to leave. I'm calling people I think I can get an apartment with. I'm I'm figuring out how much finance I have that I can actually commit to doing this. Yeah. And then one night after I made the arrangements, I start bringing stuff down the stairs to go out the door to leave. And my parents hear me and they basically like talk me out of it. They're like, "You have six hundred dollars to your name. How are you going to survive on your own?" Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. And I really didn't put a lot of thought into this. It was just a gut reaction to avoid what's coming. Yeah. And what came and what I was expecting to come did come. And I had to deal with that. But at the same time, I also dealt with how people react to people leaving the church. And at that point, not a lot of people were leaving. So my interaction up to that point was very limited in terms of uh, just volume. And each one is so unique. Like, you're either kicked out or you leave on your own. And the majority of the people up to that point were kicked out. And I was the one that was driving the truck that would take all their stuff from their bedrooms to where they were living after that. And the whole thing had to be a, you know, here's your product, give me your money, and then we're done. Single transaction, never going to see you or hear from you again from that point forward. So... Going into this, I'm like, right, this is what I'm committing to. Like, I'm cutting all these people off. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing, like, oh, like, this actually has profound impact on some of them. Yeah. And it did. And I ended up sticking it out for another two years to the point where, like, I had just finished college. And at that point, I knew, like, way more was going to be expected of me. Yeah. Um, like, way more of my time, way more of my money. And I started making the, the concrete plans to leave. And a week before I was supposed to walk out the door, get on the plane, and fly out to Providence to live in Northbridge, Massachusetts, my sister catches me in the act, more or less. Like, I was looking for jobs and a, a car out, out in this area so I could, like, subsist. Yeah. And um, I left those tabs open, and oh, man, dude. No. Like, <laughs> get a call, and, like, I have to pull over and sit there and deliberate because I'm like, how do I tell them? No, actually, 
all that you found, that's for someone else. That's for my friend that lives out in Massachusetts. And this is what I went with. Yeah. I committed to that. And so for that week, they put me on one of the most strict like lifestyle changes I've ever been in. I had to wake up every morning at five and either swim a mile or run two miles. Then they wow. were having me count my calories for every single meal, which like, in, in like a normal situation, that'd be awesome. Like you, you keep track of your calories, you're getting your exercise. <laughs> But when it's in a situation where you I would literally pay a have trainer a lot of money for this, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you have no other option, yeah. Because my other option was to use up the money I've been saving up to live on my own, to now go pay for a hotel, to to basically like rent a car for a week because I'd have to leave my car that I was using there. Yeah. So all of those things were like non-starters. Yeah. So I committed to that. I was up every day. I had to leave my laptop downstairs, so I couldn't like you know, talk to whoever it is I'm supposed to be going out to yeah. meet with. And um, I had to check in every like hour or so. Oh, wow. And then I was getting like calls from my cousins. I, there was a there was a whole elder meeting where they were like, listen, we're not gonna keep you here. So if you wanna leave, just leave. So I'm like, I'm not leaving, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to get your shit together first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was not, I was not ready to leave a week early. Of course, of course. Um, so, comes the day of, and I actually, well, it's the day before I my flight, because I had to get my shit in order, and I couldn't do it while they were all watching me. Yeah. So I spent that first day and uh, just, like, sleep in my car at a little rest stop close to the airport, and just get my address changed, catch my gym membership, try to get a new phone for out in Massachusetts. Yeah. Which, like, I didn't realize you had to have a line of credit for <laughs> and I didn't have any credit built up because yeah. everything was like yeah. paid for more or less for, by my family. So it was, a good, it was a good learning experience. And then I got on the plane, flew out here with like maybe, I think it was two suitcases and garbage bags full of clothes. Wow. And that was what I moved out to Massachusetts with. And kind of been uh, going with the flow ever since. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> so why Massachusetts? Uh, so I actually did have a friend that was living out here, and uh, how did you meet them? On World of Warcraft, <laughs> fantastic. Which actually ended up lending to my lie at the very that that last like, mm-hmm. week I was there because they knew that I kind of had an obsession with World of Warcraft. Um, I think it was an unhealthy obsession, um, and like knowing what I know now, it was definitely an addiction. Oh, uh, yeah. And but through that whole process, I ended up like befriending this this girl and she like as I'm like leading up to leaving I hadn't like decided where I was going yet but I needed to talk to somebody about it because like yeah no one else I could talk to and so she just was like hey like do you mind if I just lay this out on the table for you she it was the first time she knew exactly who I was and it was also I was like an eye-opening experience for me too because it's like wait so you don't know where the Westboro Baptist Church is yeah kind of just assumed everybody knew who, <laughs> who the Westboro Baptist Church was so I had like filler in all that and like without even like batting an eye she's like well I have a room that just opened up because you know whoever was there just left and I charge you this amount and just let you help you get you on your feet I jumped on it I jumped on the opportunity I was like fuck yeah hey it's as far away from Kansas as I can feasibly manage. Yeah. 
you know, I didn't really do too much research on like hostile living and all that kind of stuff. It was just mm-hmm. like, all right, let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that actually ended up being probably one of the better decisions. Yep. Um, you know, aside from the fact that I met my, mm-hmm. what I think is my soulmate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's, a, she's at least my best friend. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, uh, aside from that, like, just creating that distance from, like, even just a reminder of where I was, where I grew up, I think that helps a tremendous amount of, at least, like, me becoming my own person. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you made it harder to go back than to stay away exactly and and there was never in my mind there was never like okay that is an option I am going to go back it was just like even if I tried to I don't think I could put up the farce yeah Yeah. after that Um, because when you do try to go back it is a oh man it is I don't know how people endure it you are ostracized even more you are brought in, but put to the side. Wow. You can come to church, but you're supposed to sit in the very back. No one can talk to you, except for, like, certain elders. And then when the sermon is over, you're expected to just walk right back out the door. Wow. Until you show that you have repented enough to be, like, you know, yeah, able to receive that. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and, and, like, the whole concept of what they preach, they had this... It was a Calvinistic Baptist church, and underlying that was this concept called TULIP. It's it's an acronym. It's uh, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and the perseverance of the saints. And that's more or less what they built their faith o- around. Yeah. Were those core concepts? And unconditional election. Part of that is the the unconditional love that comes through that selection process. And <laughs> and if that in but what I learned from that, everything that I experienced, everything I saw, is that it was very conditional love yeah. that you received from that. And it is not only like mentally damaging for anyone that is living in there, but anyone that's left, it's even worse because you don't really understand unconditional love. Facts. Like, you, you understand the concept of it, but you've never really experienced it. Exactly. So yeah. you don't really know what it feels like. You can't really empathize with people who haven't received that kind of love. Um, and so that's just, like, one of the issues that, <laughs> that when you were gone from there that you have to deal with. Jesus. And that's, and like, just from my own right uh, emotional development, I feel like that is probably one of the most important things is establishing that level of like love with somebody yeah, or at least so for yourself if you can unconditionally love yourself you're gonna probably find nothing but happiness in this life that makes so much fucking sense and it is a is great because I don't know you're, we're, we're talking about Maslow's hierarchy most people you know they're you know you think to get out of a cult you need to figure out the finances you need to figure out this you're right those are the most uh, the immediate concerns, but to really find a new calling is the actual, yeah. you know, and you know, a love, compassion, you know, a reason to to do something, you know, beyond you know what you've grown up your entire life being told. Yeah, yep. and like, and it took me quite a while to be comfortable even like 
contemplating the fact that it is in fact a cult. And that was a lot to do with how much they would brainwash you. Actually, like, though, yeah, it's it's important to use those yeah. words because, like, I don't know, because it bothers them, because that's the exact opposite of you know yeah. how they want you to think about it. Exactly. It's like, and and one of the things I like to joke about is is how they perceive people who have left is they deserve the highest form of of eternal damnation, <laughs> which they would say like, you leave this church, you can find yourself in the hottest spot in hell. I mean, that sounds like most religions. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a... You don't have to believe us. We'll forgive you. But you're still going to spend eternity in hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so uh, this might be a, a sensitive thing, but do you now have any religion? Like, do you, do you still have any faith? Uh, it's, it's taken me quite a while uh, to get to the point where I can kind of feel comfortable with any level of Oh, yeah, understandable. Religious. That's got to be kind of triggering. Yeah, uh, but I would say it's it's more of like a spirituality at this point. Fair enough. Um, and one of the things that I feel like has probably been the most uh, beneficial thing to, to me and my mental development has been uh, psychedelics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and psychedelics has really like opened my eyes to just the reality of things and how like things naturally operate and how there isn't this underlying like like more or less an ego involved with everything yeah um so i think that has helped me more than any therapy i could have received and at this point it's kind of like a, a moot point to try to seek ther- therapy and tell to be honest you mentioned psychedelics and my response was oh there it goes i was because like you're really fucking well adjusted given how you grew up yeah yeah and uh I don't know, you don't speak like you've done a fuck ton of therapy. Like, there's usually a different... Like, you haven't been sitting in DBT therapy for three years. Yeah. I can tell that much. Yeah. Um, and never mind, the psychedelics make sense. Yeah, they can... They let you take a step back and actually deconstruct and look at it. Yeah. And you can look at things from the perspective, you know, you want to now rather than where you were. Yeah. And it's... It's... The boundary opening aspect of it is probably one of the most beneficial aspects of it. Like within religion so constricting that it's like there's such set boundaries and with, whether it's the dogma aspect of it or not like you can't really stray outside of that belief system mm-hmm. um, so the whole spirituality, spirituality aspect there's a lot more like openness to it um, so I've definitely embraced that more it's more of there is something here not yeah. there is uh, this specific thing that we talk about exactly and like I'm perfectly fine not knowing what that is exactly just knowing that like if I put the effort in to be good to others my assumption is that good will come back to me Uh, whatever degree it is as long as I look at it from that perspective most interactions are gonna go well I'm not gonna be negative about it I'm gonna you know be able to walk away and like at least learn something from it Mm. the minimum because I'm not weighed down by you know misconceptions yeah. Um, but but that's also you're looking at every situation as if there's something for everyone to gain, even if that thing is only knowledge. Yeah. That's exactly. fantastic. Yeah. That works. Okay. No, that's big. So um, you mentioned that you. So, so I, I think you probably have a really uh, not ju- uh, intimate perspective of the Westboro Baptist Church because you saw people at their last moments. Yep. Did you have any interesting conversations, like on the bus ride away? Oh. Um, like, there must have been things that you were told not to think about, but 
you know, people must have set, spoken their mind as, like, a final attempt to bring someone with them or something. Honestly, the, it was such, they had so much control over everybody that you knew what to expect. Mm. You knew what the reaction was going to be from everyone. Like, and I knew going into it, if I'm helping them bring their stuff in to their new home, I know two things. It's going to be the last time I might see them. And I better not talk about anything other than where does this go? Where do you want to put this? Because outside of that, like, anybody that's there with me helping, they're watching. Mm. And even if I want to be like, hey, man, like, I really hope you can find some a job so that you can get going, get yourself, you know, a new place to live so you're not living with your father that you literally, it's the first time you've seen him in five or six years. Mm. Like, I hope it goes well. <laughs> yeah. Because that literally is, like, what it is. It's like you're just cutting that person off the second you drop off their last thing. And, and because I knew how to drive a truck and I could lift things, <laughs> I was more or less like just just assumed that I would be that dude that would be taking people's stuff into their new abode. Yeah. And so the conversations were very like straight faced, like like there was no deviation. Wow. Um, wow. But that being said, one of the most profound experiences that I had regarding that kind of like situation was the night before my cousin Hezekiah left, uh, well, the night of, I'm assuming, because he probably left like in the middle of the night, because they woke up to his room being completely empty and him being nowhere to be seen. Wow. Uh, Good for him. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, at that point, like, I, so, sorry, the night before, I literally was having that conversation with my friend in Northbridge about, like, this is who I am, I need to get out of here and I need to do it as soon as I possibly can. Very next morning, he's gone. And we get a call, and we're expected as a family and as a church to go over there and comfort them. Give them some like level of like like comfort that can make up for somebody that was in their life for their 18 years suddenly gone. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like watching his siblings just like, just break down sobbing and just like because it's their brother and it's someone that they've lived in the house with at least for 18 years mm -hmm. whether it was a friend or not I, I can't say but they all experience the same trauma more or less so there's that intimate kind of like relationship that you have with someone and the church uses that to grow it oh yeah um, but uh, sitting there watching them all go through that and I just I have this like point of realization that like my family is not going to react the same way they're either going to hide their emotions or they're just going to act like, yep, just get right back into the stride of things and, like, who's Joshua? Let's take his pictures off the wall. Let's make sure that, like, whatever memory we have of him is just that, a memory. Like, we don't have to have any other involvement with him beyond this point. And they're not going to mourn me. So all this is going through my head as I'm seeing these children yeah. mourn their brother. And, yeah. like, I just break down. I'm just, like, hard sobbing. I have to leave, <laughs> and I'm like, and I, and it took me a while to recover from that, and it's just like, I think that one, like, experience probably got me like, actually like, ready to leave. I mean, it, it's serious. So, uh, what, what I was contemplating, a, it wasn't difficult in retrospect, but I was contemplating a breakup, and my best friend gave me the advice 
flip a coin, and if you don't like it, it, call it, and if you don't if you don't like the result, do the other one. In other words, you know, you you, you future cast it. You you thought about here's how would this feel? What if I was in this situation? Yeah. And then you essentially put yourself in that situation. And this is something. This is something a hip concept that we talk about in hypnosis. It's you. It's you literally put yourself there, put yourself through the motions, and you can prepare yourself for anything from public speaking to, you know, throwing a sports ball. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, that's what you did. You, you experimented with it with your head. You saw how it was going to play out, and you realized what you needed to do. Yeah, and how, like, <laughs> starkly different it would be. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pretty eye-opening, but um, I, I, think, I think that was, I ended up leaving, like, three months after that. But, like, I knew that I wasn't going to have that same level of, like, emotional reaction from maybe anybody in my close family. Yeah. Might, might have had some, like, cousins or aunts and uncles that might have been upset about it. But, like, the people who should have mattered most to mm. wanted to care more it. about the church. Yeah. And it was a little, like, like my relationships with my parents were kind of, like, breaking down at that point anyway. Just two years prior to that, I had tried to leave. Like I had mentioned, yeah, and that was a weird, that was weird, yeah, was yeah, a yeah. weird in- interaction with my parents. The point where like, I think like it was a, a few days after I I made the attempt to leave. Oh no no sorry, got it mixed up. It was a couple months down the road. Uh, I was venting to one of my uh, one of the elders about how the interaction I have with my father is very much a. He only cares about how I'm doing in school and not necessarily about how I'm actually doing. Mm. And, like, there wasn't an actual, like, relationship with it within that kind of house that I felt like was a father-son relationship. And it was it was affecting me in a very negative way. You guys were connected but through the church, not through family. Exactly. Because it was all these expectations on him to make sure that his children were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And if I wasn't doing well in school, the whole church knew about it. And that meant he was getting all this negative attention from the church. And and I'm sure, like, his reaction was solely, like, out of just preservation more than anything. Yeah. And just, like, constant, constantly putting in, like, high-stress situations, which has a PTSD effect on somebody. Your reaction is going to be to avoid those interactions as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. But when that's the only interaction you have with your dad, it's kind of sucky. So I'm venting about this, and it, I was just venting, because, like, I needed to. And it's a turning into this whole church issue. Oh, my God. We had a, a meeting in the church itself with the pastor and the old body, and they're all basically coming down on my parents about how, like, you need to be having a better relationship with your children. You aren't parenting. Yeah, literally. <laughs> wow. And what is my dad's reaction? Basically, the... That the following morning after that whole thing went down, he's he, he is just angry, and he says something that you can't really take back, which was like, "I wish you had left that day." Oh and wow! I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Bro, I literally just am like, we just left something where I am lacking an emotional connection with you, and you yeah. say something that is cut that completely off." Yeah. And I was ready to fight that dude. I yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His sister like walked me out the back door, and yeah, but. That's intense. Yeah. 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 And in growing up in that environment too, like where like emotional abuse is, is very, very strong. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the norm like, and it's consistent. Yeah, it, literally. And you expect it. It's yeah. to a point where it's like, okay, well, any action you take, you just assume that it's going to be like scrutinized. Mm-hmm. And in a very dogmatic way, but also a very personal and most of the time ad hominem way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and not just from the elders, but from your peers too. Um, so you have that, but it's. It, they were so strict to the, the teaching of the Bible that they took that whole, you know, corrective behavior for children to the literal translation of the Bible, which is, do not spare the rod. So you were constantly, any most, uh, most discipline was physical discipline. And you would get the, the, the verbal discipline as well, but it was at the same time. So it was like double reinforcement and like knowing what we know now about the effect that it has on children, like we know it's extremely damaging. So you are raising children in that environment. And like, I actually just was out in Kansas and I was talking to one of my cousins and we were kind of just venting equally about what it was like growing up there. And she started telling us about how one night, her, I can't remember exactly what set her dad off. Something she said or did, but he was a, a a security officer at the jail, he took his nightstick out and was just, he beat her for that entire night into the next day and then she couldn't go to school for two weeks after that because of how bad the bruising was and no one can interfere. Right. No one in that house can interfere. No one in anybody that is an elder because it's like, okay, well you're doing your duty as a father. And she mm-hmm. had a lot of siblings too, yeah. so they all had to watch. Yeah. And just be like, we're not going to get involved, we'll get it too. Yeah. And it's like, she's just one example of one of the siblings who's receiving that abuse. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm not necessarily like fortunate that I didn't receive that abuse. It's just like, it didn't matter which household, it was like in a different type of abuse yeah. going yeah. on. And if that's what you're conditioned from a very young age to expect, like, I would say they were probably they would probably start spanking children as young as like one, two years old, mm-hmm. and it's not like they're beating them, but if if the child is acting up, you're gonna swat them, mm-hmm. and that's just expected. So, did your parents grow up within the church as well? Yeah. So my my father is the is the child of uh, Fred Phelps, and he oh. had thirteen children, and so all all of all but three of those children ended up staying in the church. In building families within that church, and so my mom is an Oceaner. She has she had nothing to do with it. But as soon as she started dating my dad, she was more or less cut off by her own family. And but it was almost as if it was like an equal. It was like, well, we don't want you spending time with them because they're a bad influence. And at that point, we weren't even protesting. We just had these like extreme, you know, belief systems that most churches didn't have. Yeah. And so it like almost automatically ostracized them because of it on a public platform. And like my grandfather ran as a as a governor of the state on that platform too. So it's like wow. he, and he was a civil rights lawyer. So he was a very well known name and then he's raising all his children to believe all this and then he's watching from his perspective a country basically fall by the wayside in terms of moral and religious practices to the point where it's you know becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah which is 
for those who don't know, it was two cities among five that were turned into fire and brimstone because of their, you know, extreme social practices, mm -hmm. which involved sodomy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But they were just metaphors. Yeah. But they translated that literally and saw America turning into Sangamora. Mm. So they thought saw it as an immediate threat to the to the life of a country and saw, thought that they needed to act as soon as possible and they did. Like I th I th this is their calling and purpose. Literally. This is what they're going to do. Literally. And every time we go out to Topeka, we'll end up going by or going to this park called Gage Park. And that's where it literally all started. My grandfather was walking through it with one of the grandchildren. And this is his story. <laughs> Some dude came out of the woods and tried to bring my cousin into the woods. So his, his first initial reaction is, it's a gay man trying to lure children into the woods to rape them. And then he so like the very next day he shows up it. he shows up with picket signs drawn with marker saying basically Bible verses about uh, homosexuality. He was just quoting Bible verses. Yeah. That was it. And the reaction from the people living in that, that city was very much a, a counter-protesting perspective. Mm. Like, hey, like, we don't believe what this person's believing. Like, don't listen to him. Like, and this, where this park is, is like, right when you come into this, to the, to the city. Mm. So like, anybody that's visiting, you're gonna pretty much drive by him if you're coming by the So this is the place day. just to put out the voice of this city. Exactly. And so he sees this entire city, more or less, standing up against what he's saying, and there's so many instances in the Bible about prophets being shot down because of the message they're saying. So this empowered him. Exactly. It ended up becoming this self-fulfilling prophecy because of the, the prophecy I mean, most itself. Of the, most, of the, most of the fun ones are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it, it ended up turning into, the, like, the very first, like, five years of, of them protesting was some of the most wild shit. Yeah. Like... There's this uh, bar called The Vintage, and it was owned by uh, a lawyer in town that did not like my grandfather. Yeah. And uh, one time, he hires, a, for some reason we were protesting out of like, that, I don't know right off the top of my head why we were protesting up to that point. I think it was just because of the location itself. It was just a high traffic location. Yeah. And anybody that knows about guerrilla marketing, make sure you get in the most visible place if you're just gonna suddenly Get your message out there. Yep. And he was a professional at that. Um, so they're protesting. This this lawyer went and hired some ex-cons to show up, big dudes, and just start beating the shit out of my family members. Wow. <laughs> Throwing them into the street, stomping them on, on them on the ground, yeah. like trying to throw them into traffic. Oh, dude. And wow. so they ended up being called the 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 Finnish massacre. And we had a special anniversary protest every year on the day of that of that massacre. <laughs> and it would literally be everybody in the church showing up, all like seventy members just lining the entire front of that of that business the sidewalk with all these various signs. And at that point our signs were way more colorful. Yeah. Both literally and like message wise, like at that point we, we just shortened to instead of like homosexuality is a sin or whatever it was. God hates fags. Yeah. And it all neon. So when I Googled Westboro Baptist yeah. Church earlier today, that link was the first one. Yeah, that's out. their that's church's their... website where they yeah. try to get all their messages. Domain out. name. 
the, the literally wow. domain name is God Eats Fags. Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. That's so, yeah, I guess not actually. Yeah. That's nuts. Dude. So, from, and, and they also somehow were able to talk to the cops because we were experiencing a violence on a level where we were like notifying the cops every time we were going to show up. At, at well, the, at I protests. mean, I, I, did, were there any non-white members? No. no. Well, that's why they got along so well with the cops. Oh, do you mean the church got along with the cops? Yeah. Oh, well, so that's what I'm leading up to is the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, okay. this lawyer somehow might have, must have convinced the police that were supposed to be posted up to just leave at a set time. Because right before those guys came out and started beating the shit out of everybody, the police just drove off. And so they're literally wow. free reign, just like just destroying everybody. And uh, there was even like a letter that one of the pastors at a local church ended up sending to the editor, which detailed what he saw. He used such beautiful poetic language. He was like, "I saw signs flying up in the air as these people, as these dudes were going through the protests, like a like a farmer." Uh, <laughs> scything grain or something like that. Like the grain's flying up and that's the signs. And she's like a block away watching this all go down. Wow. Yeah. And and like and the, nobody did anything about it. Yeah. Like the, those guys weren't arrested. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the lawyer had better friends than your grandfather. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. And and that was just one example. Like some of the shit that I saw like up to that point, like we started protesting when I was five. And I have a very vivid memory of showing up for that first protest at Gage Park, excited, pumped to hold yeah. my first picket sign. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, oh, even like, was like, all right, this is the one I'm going to grab. Yeah, yeah. Which one was it? Do you remember? No, that one I don't remember, unfortunately. <laughs> I had a few favorites, but that was, I can't remember that far back. And that's another thing about having grown up in something that was just like, yeah, they make that constant fun, stress every single day. To the point where it's like, literally, trim, like PTSD. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember most of my childhood. I mean, it's also like the amount of it that was going to be the exact same thing, but slightly different. Like, you're not supposed to remember the difference. It's supposed yeah. to all run together. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like, you have one stressful thing in the day. That is what rules your day. But when you have it, one Everything stressful else thing was after identical. another after um, another, yeah. and you want to escape at school, you're getting bullied because uh-huh. of what you believe. Yeah. Or like <laughs> even in sports. I thought I could get away with it in sports. But you're getting trash talked by your by your teammates about your beliefs. Nothing else. Like they're not saying like, oh like fucking suck at playing football, like like where'd you learn how to dribble? No, it's like they're literally calling you a fag. They're 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 making insinuations about like, oh like were you looking at my dick? Shit like that to the yeah. point where it's like, bro, like, calm down. I'm just trying to have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And early on, like, like I knew I had to like set some boundaries, but also do the set those boundaries within the name of the law, so to speak. Something where I wouldn't get in trouble because if I got in trouble, wouldn't just end at school. I'd get in trouble at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I started being real careful about that. I knew where, how far I could take certain things. I knew how, I learned how to say the most poignant responses to people. Yeah. Just like just shutting them down right away yeah. without being like ad hominem or anything like that and I also learned how to be physically like set physical boundaries because in, in gym like you're supposed to be playing sports mm-hmm. and a lot of times that can be physical 
those kids would literally take advantage of that mm-hmm. and deliberately go out of their way to try to do more physical harm to me. Yeah. So I learned how to like really look out for that kind of thing and how to avoid it and just like or just set my ground my and ground. that was supposed to be during your fun times exactly your, 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 your and I was I love sports I was yeah. good at it. I'm, I'm naturally athletic so it's like I would I turn that around on those kids and all of a sudden I'm just schooling them yeah. and embarrassing them shoving them up against the lock uh, up against the bleachers because like okay they just got the ball so there's free reign to like make contact with this dude Yeah. so I'm gonna make it enough where they they're not falling over yeah, but they yeah. might drop the ball, or they're like, <laughs> "Okay, I've tagged them, so they're they're out for that point." So I had to learn a very fine line of where I could think they take things, and oh man, makes people so angry. Yeah, yeah, people, uh, you know, it, it's all about power, and yeah. you know, you hold it so long as you're not, I don't know, so long as you're the one being more antagonistic, but also in control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very much so. <clears throat> Well, so that one of my questions was going to be: So, did you think you learned anything good? But that, like, did you know? Did you take anything good from this experience? And um, it sounds like you know, uh, intense self-discipline is absolutely on the list. Yeah, agreed. And one of the things that I learned very early on is how to deal with high-stretch situations too. Yeah. And to the point where it's like, all right, how can I de-escalate someone jumping out of the car with a bat? ready to just like start wailing on people and like you learn real quick like don't interfere with that create distance like reduce like people's nerves as much as possible and if you can do both of those you can get out of most of those situations i only got the shit kicked out of me one time in my tenure and that was 23 years of protest well technically 18 years of protesting yeah uh where I was out on the front lines and I saw some shit. I saw my, my aunts and uncles, my cousins getting the shit kicked out of them. Like, I said, one of my aunts lost a child because somebody was so angry at the message, he came out and kicked her in the belly. And Jesus she Christ. lost the baby right there. And I was standing right there as it's happening. And that was just one example of all the wild shit that I, I would, and the one time I got the shit kicked out of me, <laughs> I employed the one method that I feel like <laughs> Most people need to learn, they're getting the shit kicked out of them, is uh, go into a ball and defend your vitals. Because yeah. you're going to reduce any serious damage. I walked away with like a, a scratch on the bridge of my nose, and that was it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And my, <laughs> my mom was in such hysterics because she's watching her son, from, all, from her perspective, getting kicked, getting punched. As I'm laying on the ground, like, you know, in a defensive position, and she kisses herself. She tells the, the the police the wrong direction they left. Oh no! So it's like even if they wanted to go catch this dude that just beat the shit out of me, they don't know where he went. Yeah. Or they go in the wrong direction. And dude, and so I get up and they're gone. Five police cars show up. Four fire trucks show up. An ambulance, all because of the phone call my mom had in hysterics <laughs> with nine one one. They sent all of that for you. Yeah, just for me. Oh, dude, dude. And the and what I literally kept saying to this dude as I'm getting up, I he, he attacked me twice. First time after I get up, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm like, hey, unless you want to be arrested, you need to leave. Yeah. Because we've called the police, they're on their way, and I guess like he realized, oh, my buddy's not quite back yet to pick me up. I have a little bit more time. Comes at me again. 
So I'm just like, okay, and I just go right back into the defensive <laughs> position and get walloped on again. And again, I get up and I'm like, yeah, your limbs like, will be fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, all right, maybe this will happen a third time. So I'm going to try to, the same like policy. You need to leave unless you want to be arrested. Because if I am pushing him and I'm antagonizing him, it's just going to make it worse. And I yeah. saw that firsthand. Like, yeah. So I'm like, I'll get the shit kicked out of her because she, this dude, big dude in high school, was just pissed off. Yeah. Comes out of class, protesting out in front of his high school. He's riding around us with his bicycle, cutting in between us, acting like he's going to hit us, and then veering off the last second. We would take flags with flagpoles, and it would be like the city flag, uh, the P flag, the, Amer- the American flag. All of those would be upside down because it's a sign of distress, this country's in distress, blah, blah, blah. She took that flag and stuck it right into his stokes oh, on the no. bike. And so this kid gets off and just starts beating the shit out of her. And I'm like, okay, well, if you hadn't done that, maybe you wouldn't get to be getting the shit kicked out of you. But, yeah. So I learned a lot from just like watching other people go through shit. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I shouldn't have had to learn. You shouldn't that. have had to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, you, that's the thing. You can learn a lot by watching everyone around you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So a uh, question that I wanted to ask sure. was, um, well, first, um, have you been in contact with anybody else who's left the church? Yes. Okay. Um, so it took me a while to like feel comfortable because when I first moved out here, I was like, I'm going to get on my own, get, get it so that like I don't have to rely on anybody that's still in Kansas because yeah. I want nothing to do with Kansas. Yeah. Um, so it took me a while to get in contact with people, but it was one of my cousins who was my same age, went to classes with her all through like high school and, and college. So like that friendship aspect too goes into it. Yeah. They sh- like the day or or the day after she leaves, she ends up reaching out to me, and we caught up, and I find out like basically I'm getting updates from her about everyone else who has left. I had no idea, so like I'm finding out like you know it's actually probably in my best interest to reach out to them. So at that point I did, and then like a couple months later we're driving nonstop from Massachusetts to Kansas to visit everybody. Oh, word. Yeah, and that was really cool. You used to visit everybody, you mean? Uh, anybody that's left. Cool. Yeah, and so most of them have stayed mobilized to Topeka. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. They're like down the street. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. and because they protest daily in Topeka, the chances of you seeing them it's heightened to that extent, too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, most of them are centralized there, so when we went back, one of the first things we did was go to the, the compound. Yeah. And it is a legit, like, compound. It's one square block that's almost completely fenced in. Only two of the houses isn't owned by church members. And at this point, I'm sure they are now. Yeah. Because those either people moved away or... Are no longer with us. Yeah. Um, but then they started buying houses neighboring them too, and they almost have yep. like this huge square footage just them. Yeah. And the only way they display their message is at the actual church, which is at, which is at one of the corners of the square. And um, they have multiple flags flying upside down. Then they have a banner that says GodHatesAmerica.com, which is another one of their domains. Wow across the top of the church, like the peak of the church, they have that. And then the actual like uh, marquee of the church, 
they'll change that constantly with different messages that are just prudent to the to what they call the zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yes, it is technically the zeitgeist, but from their <laughs> perspective. Yeah. Um, but, They're zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're zeitgeist. Uh, <laughs> so you know where, like, what it is right away, and it's actually like I'm, I would assume most people probably make a a, a stop by there. When they, if they are traveling through Kansas, yeah, if they know anything about it, because it is such a site. Yes. So, show up to that, and at that point, there's somebody had bought the house across from it, turned it into they painted rainbows, oh, called good. the Quality House. And then they bought the house next to that and painted it the trans flag colors. So that is also a stop for people now. Good. Yeah, wow. it is really cool because it's like, like it's the, each like piece of siding is a different color, so. It oh, ends fantastic. up making the flag, yeah. and it's actually really beautiful. And the, 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 the dude that bought it is this really cool dude. Um, he lets gay people get married on that lawn. Yeah, I love it. Wow. That is great. They must yeah, love over across the awesome. street. Yeah. Well, that is the other weird part. So, the story that I've heard is the re when my grandfather was like really like starting to like be less coherent. The dementia started sitting in hard. Uh, at one point, he just kind of like ventured out to the front yard and was yelling over to those people that they're good people. And I guess that's all it took. And then all of a sudden, he's put in hospice and cut off from the family. Like only certain members could go see them. Wow. Yeah. And uh, then when they found out that some of the people who have already left the church went and saw him, they cut they cut off contact. They literally were like, don't let anybody else see him. And then they just. Park Bonk stopped seeing him. And he ended up, as far as I understand, like succumbing to loneliness. Wow. Yeah, because like you need that human interaction if you're yeah. going to like do any level of like rehabilitation to your mind. Yeah. And they no one was giving that to him. Except for the nurses and the doctors. Wow. And you need that like attachment to familiarity too. And when you have but that depriving taken, depriving that is like what Cults do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like when I found out, I was pretty fucking mad, but yeah. nothing I could do about it. Um, yeah. It just shows the extent that they'll go to. Right, yes. right. Like, this is, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, cyclical. Like, you know, sneaky eating its own tail at yeah. the end kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's kind of, I don't know, yeah. Morbid, but. <laughs> it is morbid. <laughs> But like a lot of a lot of my cousins are doing well. Um, but one of the one of the takeaways that I had from this last visit, we went to one of my cousins' weddings, and uh, like her her parents, most of her family except for like one of her siblings, she has a big family. It's like eight of them. They're still in the church, so it's just her and her sister, you know, celebrating this most momentous day in her life. And it was just, it was beautiful, but so, like, full of despair at the same this time. This person's yeah. life is over, but yeah. good for them, happy for them. Yeah, this and, is a beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and at the same time, like, that their life is, like, just getting started and, like, they're creating something beautiful without their family. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, shouldn't, they shouldn't have to. And yeah. it's pretty fucking deplorable that they're put in those situations and we're put in those situations. And the effect it has on your mental health and physical health is pretty, pretty despairing too, to the point where it's like, you know, 
you almost need a specialist. And there's yeah. probably not too many specialists out there for this particular type of thing. I mean, you're not exactly going to go in better health and find someone who's qualified to handle the shit you've been through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then another takeaway from that is, like, it might be a very unique situation, but it's not a special situation. Mm. It's it, it Stuff like this where children are raised in extreme environments is not unique. Yeah. And even to this day, like, kids are brought up in whether it's political beliefs or religious beliefs, they are brought up expecting a different way of living, which isn't, which is contrary to how culture is. is so I think what you went through was in a, a very much an extreme of what so many other people in so like like the Westboro Baptist Church is just more than most other churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. Like, 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 you know, most, many don't have the same kind of cult elements, but the fact of the matter is, most, you know, all, okay, let me take back a few steps. If you look at, you know, some aspects of churches, like, they all have hypnotic environments by design. You know, it's not just the dim lighting, it, but, but like, you know, they'll pass around the, the, the thing for money when you're chanting and when everyone's in a good mood and, like, it's, it's, it's all, it's all systematic and it's all patriarchal. Like, like that's the other aspect of this is it's all about control and power and the our message is the right message and you know obviously yours is a lot more in a lot of ways you know a lot of churches are not you know you know they're, they're still trying to get everyone there and they still try to you know get people not to leave but it's not the same as a cult yeah. but 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 it's you got to experience like I don't know it, it's the the way you've got it was the unfiltered uh, if what if we do it the most yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but like everyone else not everyone else sorry but but many others are dealing with significantly lower amounts of the same le- same kinds of things yeah. yeah you just got you know a a, 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 a pure dose of it yes <laughs> yes yeah. you got concentrated religion yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah and um, like unfortunately what comes from that is like just the fact that I have this heightened level of naivete I have this heightened level of self-righteousness. Like, my my morality is probably on a level that's not not necessarily contrary to how society operates, but at least just very much on a different level. Um, but all of those going into, like, all of a sudden you're just, like, plopped out there without really any guidance. And, like, you're just, like, trying to swim to the surface with... Maybe like a day's worth of swimming lessons. You were a baby turtle. I was a baby turtle. (laughs) (laughs) So it it, it's it's just it's rough, and the fact that you don't also have family there support you either, kind of have to build your own family. Yeah. And like your life is a weirdly fantastic encapsulation of so many other people's struggles because you know like a lot of people have to you know figure out their life without their family but it's not as extreme of a cut as you had to it's but but it's the yeah I get it that's yeah you rebuilt everything yeah and you had to hey man kudos to you man because I know that shit couldn't have been easy yeah and the emotional toll um the spiritual toll, like, 
all that too. I, I'm glad you've been able to find something afterwards. I, yeah. I would be, I don't know, like you know, whether I don't, I'm, I'm atheist myself or maybe agnostic. I don't freaking know, but, but, but it, it's there's it's great that you were able to rejoin any form of spirituality. Yeah, uh, the, you know, they didn't take that from you, because yeah. for a lot of people, spirituality seems to be hope, which is you know, part of the problem with these cultures around religion, yeah. because that's what they're selling, hope. Crazy dude. Well, one moral of the story is people should do more shrooms. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no. It's for damn sure. No, that's a fact, man. That is. You will learn a lot about yourself. You'll heal probably a lot. You'll ask yourself a lot of questions. I mean, I know. I know the first time I really, really tripped. Like, I tripped recently, actually, like a few months ago. And, um,. I was just able to empathize or sympathize for my brother who has severe mental health issues. Um, and I went on a trip and like something in my mind clicked that was just able to let me say like, I know what the fuck he's going through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I saw that point on the graph that was like, this is where he is. And like, yeah. I could easily get there. You could, e anybody could get to where he is and I understood it and it just made me feel compassion for him instead of like resentment or get your shit together bro like it was yeah. more like I'm sorry that you're going through this yeah, I wish I could be more help and like you know and I credit that to shrooms like shrooms they are a life changer They're definitely brain power like it just it does something to your brain that not a lot of substances can or will do yeah, a lot of people are scared of shrooms and psychedelics in general, but if they know their dose and they create a good setting and they, yes. like, a lot of people treat it literally like a drug, but if you treat it like an like a religious experience, yeah. like, you're going to have a great outcome. Like, yeah. people only have bad trips when they go into it with, like, things in the back of their head saying, like, oh, I maybe shouldn't be doing this. You yeah. put yourself into a bad mental space, but, yep. like, you can yeah. really just, like, set, set, set your intentions, yeah, and, like, have a great time. Facts. Yeah. Setting in the environment goes a long, long way. Yeah. Like, even just tidying up the house before you do it will, like, literally does wonders for me. But yeah, it's like, that's both creating I'll the environment and like setting intentions. speed cleaning during a trip. Like, ah, I can't. This is horrible. I'm, like, <laughs> scrubbing shit down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it helps you deconstruct. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's like a it, when Iron Man's building something and you know he's three D visualizing it. It's like that, but yes. except for social problems and you know emotional shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. So um, we've been going on for a while. If you guys have anything else you want to talk about while we're on air, any shout outs, anything specific? Oh. Shout out all my escapees. I love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shout out to you guys. That shit cannot be easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I, w I I didn't really intend to spend too much time talking about like my past and at the cold and stuff but like kind of just goes takes a while so yeah a lot that goes into it but um, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about uh, just in terms of how is like a a nation as a as like a culture we can kind of get to the point where we're still having debates about you know the rights that females have to the body just in, just just as that is one example kind of is kind of opened my eyes to going back to my past which is it was a very violent past is 
if what the underlying issue is religion, and like I agree, there should be a separation between church and state. Yeah, yeah. church and state. But underlying all that is the violence that comes with mm. those religious. We need views. to take it a step further. It's about the control. Yeah, mm. and, and the violence involved in that control because once you start restricting other people from you know living their own lives, there's a violence involved in that, and you know. Unfortunately, that gets to the point where you have the Supreme Court of the United States deciding that. Yeah. And it shouldn't be up to the, those members of, a, of just a judicial body for them to also make the most like violent decision possible, even though it was the majority of them that had that violent in, intention. Imposing the wishes of a few over the rights of many. Exactly. It's just... It's kind of like almost like a flashback kind of point where you know you think that you've gotten away from those extreme views and perspectives, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh no, they're they're pretty deep seated and rampant still. Yeah, it's just where it is and how it functions. Yeah, and like that's that's what's you know the one good thing about the Westboro Baptist Church. They're right in front of you. They yeah. are they're not trying exactly. to do this behind everyone's back. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost, it, you, what you just said reminded me too. It's like it reminds me of a, of like a horror film when it's like the woman finally escapes the murder of the situation, and then right before the movie ends, she closes the the fucking medicine cabinet, and boom, the murderer is right behind her. Yeah, yeah. The, in the in the reflection. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. That's that's exactly what you just yeah. brought to my mind. It's yeah. like that's kind of how it is. Yeah. And I thought we were over that hill. But right. I mean, this has been established for fifty years. Yeah. But, you know, now you try to discuss it and everyone's saying, you guys didn't lose any rights. And I'm like, here's a fucking link. Here's <laughs> explaining reproductive <laughs> rights. Yeah. So wild. Yeah, just the, like, the precedent that's set by that decision yes. alone, the ramifications, we don't know what's going to come from that. It's yeah. terrible. All, all I can assume is more violence. Yes. And if that is what... So you're forcing people to raise children in a, viol a violent society, just naturally whether it's through culture, art, or pol political decisions, that's mm -hmm. gonna have a profound impact on the mental health of those that are raised in that environment. And I tell you, it's not a good thing. Yeah. And if that's just like what you're expected to believe, is like, okay, well, just violence is part of nature. Right, that's why so many people are okay with this. Yeah. Like they're like, this yeah, is this is normal. This makes yeah. sense because to them, I don't know. To them, it does. I guess yeah, you shouldn't have had that 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 child. You should have known better. You should have. Blah, blah, blah. They always matter. have a deflection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Such an ass backwards way yeah. of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to correct that that line of logic and and what comes from that. But like, man, like when you stop thinking so violently. I think. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right on the, you're on the money with that. Yeah. I know it is, right? Yeah. Shit. It was end on. We need to stop it. thinking so violently. Yeah. That was very nice. Very Before nice. Before we go, yeah. follow us yes. at Life is Better with Smoke on Instagram and let us feed you some time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was actually looking for you guys because I was trying to tag you on um, on something. And I didn't know what the fuck. I kept like putting in smoke first and Aww. shit, and I was like, can't fucking find you guys because of course there's a million and a hundred fucking 
profiles with smoke. Yep. You know what I mean? So life with what do you say? Life Li- is better with smoke. Life is better with smoke. Which is like our slogan. Yeah. No, that's fire. That's amazing. It is. It's beautiful. Life I is love better it. with that smoke. Works. Hell yeah. I love the double entendre. Hell yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. Any last minute shout outs? Anything you want to say? Any love you want to give the pooches? <laughs> Thor, Dolly, Brody, we're coming home to give you snuggles. You're just so good at training today. <laughs> right. <laughs> <That's> perfect. <laughs> I hope everyone gets to try our brisket sometime. Yeah. Yes, really. Yeah. That is my pride and joy. The brisket. Yeah. Dope, man. I will make a point too. I fucking love brisket. Yes. Yeah. No, they do a really good job. Well, thanks for coming in today, guys. Thanks for having um, us. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Very amazing episode, and um, we'll catch you guys next time. Woo. Thank you.